是台湾人，台湾人，台湾人。Welcome to Taiwan Yuan, where you'll hear stories of Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates. I'm your host Cindy, and today we're at the Wax Apple Studio in LA with its owner Juliana Hung. The Wax Apple is this eclectic shop that'll transport you back in time. It's got traditional footwear, massage tools, woven baskets, meat cleavers, and even feather dusters. Let's find out from Juliana how she got started on this journey of collecting and selling things found in her grandmother's home in Taiwan. Juliana, tell us about yourself and your connection to Taiwan. Hi, I have a project called the Wax Apple, and basically, it's a collection of things that I find unique to Taiwan. So it's a showcase of all things Taiwanese. What inspired you to start this Wax Apple shop? I grew up in Taiwan and I moved to the states, so I go back often prior to actually just moving. And so I had the idea when I visited my grandma that you know just finding things really nostalgic in their house and just things that I grew up with. So I had the idea one day to basically collect all the things that I find unique to Taiwan and just bring it over here and showcase people things that I think are unique, handcrafted, just everyday things that are special to Taiwan. Why the name Wax Apple? Wax apple in Mandarin is lianwu, which is my favorite fruit in Taiwan. It's a very unique fruit to Taiwan. I think it has like a really crispy texture, kind of tastes like a watermelon, but so not. You can't describe it, right? But it's so such an iconic fruit for me that represents Taiwan. So that's why I picked it. Mm-hmm. And you have a tree. Here. I have a tree. It does not grow nearly as full <laughs> and as. You're like, don't try to come. I know it. <laughs> it's literally like a fourth of the size, and I'm very scared all the squirrels are going to eat it. But I do have a tree. Wow. <laughs> so if I was to go on the wax apple website, what might I expect to find? When I first started, it was very specific to just things I found in my grandma's house. So you would see sorghum brooms. I had like feather dusters. <laughs> yeah, I had like rattan stools. Just very specific things that, like,、mm-hmm. oh, I saw my grandma's house, so I'm gonna try to find a source and bring it here. As I've developed the shop, and just you know, it's been about three and a half years. I started sourcing things that have a wider range. So, for example, like theater shoes. You know, just having like a range of things, not just home goods, but a little bit wearable, and just like massage tools is another one. So <laughs> it really ranges, and I'm still developing it as I go. Every time I go back to Taiwan, I try to find. New things, or if I think of something, I'll try to find where I can get them. Gosh, I have so many questions now. We'll start with how do you source feather、uh, dusters, for instance? <laughs> it's very so. I mean, I say that my grandma really inspired me to start the project, but、yeah. she truly is where I find a lot of these things.、Mm-hmm. So basically, feather duster, for example, every grandma has one in their house. Yeah. So I、mm-hmm. asked her where I can find them. And she was like, "Oh, you know, this is so common. This is everywhere." And then she was like, "Let me call this relative because she gave me this one time."、Oh, and、God. so basically,、yeah. she's on her phone and she's chatting, and she finds this one maker, and it's like a husband and wife team. Oh wow! In Jai, so then that's where we went, and basically is like in the middle of like a village, and it's like a alley that you can't really drive through, so we had to walk a little bit. And it's just like a courtyard, and you see like feathers everywhere. It's quite chaotic, <laughs> but it's really cool. So just asking around, families,、uh-huh. friends, you know, relatives, where I can find certain things, and eventually someone will know somebody, and then that's how you find things. So is every item offered on the shop a very specific sourcing journey? 
some, yes, it's for example, a feather duster, and some are more kind of general, like a market bag that you see. You can get those in like Gamma Diams or hardware stores. Mm-hmm. So that you can find either there with specific colors, or you go those to those one. I yeah, don't know how to say it's it. It's Taish, yeah, they are. Like, yeah, they, oh, well, that's okay. like the, I guess, so, like, so the farmer's market. Yeah, kind of like you bag. see them yeah. when you go to like, the wet markets, you see them on the ground or like, you know, people using them. Yeah. It's also called Taiwan LV. Because <laughs> it's so common, you know, and I guess it's very durable. So if you Google that, you are actually very affordable. It. It's very, very affordable, <laughs> very practical. But for me, they come in so many different sizes. So it's mm-hmm. great because you can actually use them to the beach or yeah. I use them to go to the like farmer's market. That was something that was like kind of fun to bring. And it's yeah. very, very classic Taiwan. Yeah, very trendy right now. And for people who are confused, they are the mesh, green, blue, red stripe bags. Exactly. And that's the most traditional color. But of course, you can see them in like red color, which I have over there. And there's like all these different colors now. So it's kind of like this thing that's taken off in Taiwan as well. When you go to like more touristy areas, you'll see yeah. like so many variations of them. So what's the story behind the theater shoes? The theater shoes. I mean, I think there's variations of it. My grandma had some growing up. She still has some in her house. But it's interesting because I have a friend in Taiwan that has a store. And I remember when I went in years ago, she was selling them. And I asked her, oh, where are these from? She's like, it's from Tainan. Oh, and then I connected mm-hmm. dots because my grandma, my mom's mom grew up in Tainan. So then we went there and then I asked my Akim or my grandma like where I can find these. And then I figured it out. And it's literally a shop in an alley of an alley. And I think, you know, you can find them now in Taipei, but I think for me, and that was like a really classic item that has been modernized. And for me, I asked them to do custom ones where they're solid. So that is a little bit more wearable, being able to tweak it a little bit, but to keep like the classic shapes and things like that. What do the theater shoes look like for people who have not seen it before? So they're typically like a satin material. For the ones we carry, they have a very simple rubber sole seam down the middle kind mm-hmm. of like the classic theater shoes it's like guahi and like you know theater mm-hmm. i think that's like the traditional but of course these are not that extreme sometimes they have thicker heels the ones i have is just rubber and then some have embroidery which is a classic look and then some are just solid satin so that's kind of very delicate looking i would say mm-hmm. yeah and since you brought it to the u.s has been very popular who buys these shoes typically they have actually. It's kind of the top seller in my shop. And when I first started, I had, I think, four styles. They were like black, blue, red with embroidery. And so that was fun to kind of introduce people to the shoe. But, you know, now I think I have like 15 styles where there's also Mary oh, Jane's, wow. like Wawashie, just like simple versions of that. And then there's a solid no embroidery theater shoes with embroidery. And I just recently have a new style where it's like a high top version of the theater shoes. And in terms of, to answer your question, who wears them, it's surprisingly quite a large range. I think young women, I think it's colorful, it's fun, Mm -hmm. it's really easy to wear. So it's been pretty accepted. The solid colors are doing better, I think, because it's almost like you're just wearing a pair of black shoes, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's been doing well. So other than the shoes, what are maybe some other surprisingly popular items in your shop? The massage tools are actually a very surprisingly hot item for the oh, shop. Love massage. I know. <laughs> I know. I think I started with three. And when I first got them, I showed pictures to my friends. I'm like, are these weird objects? Like, do you think people <laughs> would like them? Yeah. They're like, you know, just give it a try. So I bought, I don't know, a handful of, I think, three styles with the palm massager. There's one shaped like a bear. Like, it's a body massager. 
and then an eyebrow massager, which is yeah, like a little snail. Yeah, those are actually the first things I sold out. So of wow. course, I was like, I gotta order more. So now I have maybe twenty different styles of them. But you know, people really like the self care thing, <laughs> and so、Gosh. some of them are water buffalo, some oxhorn, and then、oh. there's jade, and there's just like nice ebony wood.、Mm-hmm. So. The materials kind of make it unique, and then the shapes, of course, are also very strange and interesting. So it's kind of different from the standard one you see online. So yeah, they've been doing really well. So I'm trying to find more as we speak, but there's only so many massage tools out there, I guess. <laughs> What's memorable to me about your shop is that if you just quickly glance without context, it does kind of seem like a lot of different items. You have the massage tools, the shoes, combs. And I wonder if this is a shop or if it's more of a museum. How do you see your shop? Never thought of it as a museum, but it's interesting because, in a way, it is. It's presenting these very nostalgic slash crafted, very particular objects from Taiwan. The way I see it is, it's kind of a showcase, a presentation, and it's like a evolving project that is very Taiwan focused.、Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily. Just about objects, you know. At one point, if I could develop more onto the food side, I would love yes, to do that.、Sure. Yeah. And I've thought about the work, the makers that I've worked with. If I can somehow sponsor them, come here to have workshops, you know, future ideas. So that would be really special. So yes, museum, workshop space, yeah. In your mind, then, what's the true objective of the wax apple? I think it's to show people really how unique Taiwan is. And I think it's a learning project for me as well. You know, when I first started, these are the things I knew, right? The rattan stools, the feather dusters, and I think now, three years in or three and a half years in, I've really expanded the product. And while I'm expanding the product, I'm also learning a lot more about the culture, the history behind why certain things were created. I think it's ever evolving. Other than you know, obviously, your learning journey about these different cultural objects, you've started developing relationships with. Suppliers, like you said, who are the suppliers and what are their stories? So there's a huge range of people. There's literally like a grandpa that's like 80 years old making stools, or there is a husband and wife team making feather dusters, and then there's this lady that helps me find the massage tools, and she's of a younger generation. So really, there's a wide range of people I'm working with. But I think to me, the most special are the older craftsmen because、mm. it, it is a dying art.、Mm-hmm. That for me is the most fun, and of course you mix in other things as well. But I mean, there's so many stories that I've like experienced <laughs> along the way, things that I've found that I can't really bring over here because it's not、oh. practical for、oh. like you know certain woods because of the climate in Taiwan. It's、oh, very humid, so if I bring bamboo, for example, like very naturally treated, it cracks. Those are like learning experiences for me. Yeah,、so、that like, happened to me. Yeah, right. Now I know. Yeah, it's because、yes. <laughs> it's because it's humid in Taiwan,、oh、so there's never this issue. And when it, you know, LA is so dry, and I mean, many parts、oh、of the states. So I think it's I brought、split. two bamboo mugs. Yeah, and one of them split right away. Yeah, it's, it's the weather. I thought it was my、ideal. fault. I know it's not your fault. <laughs> I thought so too. I had so many questions.、I、was asking the supplier that made the cups. Can you treat it somehow so it doesn't? Crack, but he's saying because it's such a natural process. If you wanted to prevent cracking, you need to put chemicals, and、oh, so it's、no. kind of that fine line between、right. keeping the purity of it and then trying to make it actually usable in this environment. Going back to the vision for workshops, can you、mm-hmm. tell us a little more about what kind of workshops you'd like to run? Yeah, the ones you've tried in the past. It's been very loosely touched upon, and I've talked to. 
Aboriginal sister team that makes the ginger shell baskets. Oh. Yeah, so they have a workshop in Taidong. They were like, you know, the government's been sponsoring them to do showcases in Europe. I think they were in Milan or something. So they were like, maybe we can work with the government to have us come here and do workshops if, you know, someone hosts the event and to figure it out. So in time, I would like to do that. And I would like to have a space to host the workshops. And then there's like an area called Yuanli, but they are famous for rush grass. It's like a kind of triangular plant that you dry and then weaves. You see it in hats and baskets. But they have a whole community. They're trying to kind of revive this craft. So there's a community of women that actually are learning and they do workshops as well there. The idea of having them come here and who doesn't want to weave like a little mat or something, you know, it's such Mm -hmm. a fun experience. So to be able to do that, hopefully in the future would be amazing. I love this cross-cultural exchange idea, especially all the way to America. Yeah, I think... People would love to learn about it. And I think Mm -hmm. they too would like to be exposed to different environments as well. So it kind of is beneficial both ways. I do love that you keep emphasizing what's uniquely Taiwanese because Mm -hmm. a lot of times people say Taiwanese things are of the Japanese era or Chinese influence. But I also believe that there must be remnants that's unique to just Taiwanese culture as well, maybe from those influences, but we made it our own. Yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, I think Taiwan in itself, because of the history, is very unique. I think, yes, there's like influences from Japan, there's influences from China. Way back, a lot of the people that migrated to Taiwan were from China. So it's inevitable. But I think with the climate and with the materials that are in Taiwan, the things that naturally come out are very uniquely Taiwan. And I'm learning this as I go as well. Like, for example, Hinoki wood. Back in the day, like a lot of the Japanese Hinoki wood, like the pillars in Tokyo, the garden is from Taiwan. Oh, I because that. Taiwan had a lot of hinoki and they were brought over to Japan. Wow. So it's very fascinating what came out of Taiwan in many ways, whether they influence other countries as well. Even food, even if it's like a dish like dumplings, Taiwan makes it a very specific way. Maybe the flavors are a little bit different, but of course there's influences from China. So mm-hmm. I think many ways makes it very different. When I went to Ali's son, they were talking about like the Japanese actually built a railroad track just to like export the wood to Japan. So that was... Yeah, if you go to the main garden or park in Tokyo, there's these pillars. If you look at it, it actually says Hinoki from Taiwan. Like it's carved in there. Why is it important for you to preserve these nostalgic items from this era in Taiwan? I think it's a way for me to bring Taiwan to me. It's like home, you know? So Mm -hmm. for me, having these objects and finding these objects, it's selfishly kind of things that I want to keep. It reminds me of like my family, my grandma. So that's kind of why I started the project too. Has anyone ever thanked you for bringing these to the US? I don't know if anyone's ever thanked me, but pre-pandemic, I would do events workshops and Mm -hmm. so people would come and see them some of them aren't aware of the project until they get here some of them know but people are always really excited especially like you know abcs everyone's really excited to see things being presented here and so that in a way makes me super excited and that kind of motivates me to find more things and it's interesting i'll have a lot of like foreigners see the objects and they're like oh my god i visited taiwan and i loved it and so excited to see this here That is also very exciting. So I feel like people all have like a really good experience in Taiwan. And so being able to bring some of that here is great. The reason I really like your project is 
every time I go back to Taiwan, I just see obviously more and more skyscrapers, more urbanization. And probably for me, one of the last remaining things from my childhood is my grandfather's village mm-hmm. that's still standing in Kaohsiung. But I don't know how much longer it'll be there. And sure. so I do appreciate anyone that is trying to preserve a piece of the past. Definitely. I think in terms of just preserving Taiwan, it's something that it's just naturally kind of going away. So being able to find objects and highlight them is very important because that's where our family's from. You know, that's where my dad used this thing growing up. My grandma used this thing growing up. So I want to be able to preserve it. But what I do find interesting is that if you go to like Tainan, for example, that is such an old city, they are making a very conscious effort to preserve the old buildings. Mm. And even like, I think there's a revival of kind of old things where people are slowly appreciating. I think it takes time, but the fact is, the 80-year-old person is still not passing this craft down. The more we can have people make, the more we can buy, the more we can collect these objects, the better, because there's going to be less of them made in the future. So at least you have something to hold on to. For people who want to get more involved in helping to preserve, to have tips for them or helping the craftsmanship stick around. I think... It's really just talking to them. I think like <laughs> when I go to, for example, the guy that makes a rattan stool, he's in Lugang. I'll talk to him in Taiwanese and I think he gets pretty excited, even though half the time I think my accent's strong, so he doesn't always understand me. He'll ask my <laughs> grandma like, and I'll be like, but I'm speaking Taiwanese, you don't understand me? He's very curious why I'm curious. So Aww. I think the questioning or the talking, I think it's new for them. And yeah. I think... They're like, oh, someone's actually interested in how this works. So I was there like, oh, can you show me your materials? And he's like, oh, well, why do you want to see this? But I want to see it. So I think just like encouraging the interaction, you know, hopefully maybe someone will actually be really interested in maybe do like a internship or something. I mean, I don't know exactly how to extend this, but I think having that curiosity is yes. always good. An appreciation. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in the beginning, right, this was inspired by you going to grandmothers. Mm -hmm. What was your relationship with your grandmother like? Did it deepen after you started this shop? Yeah, I think so. I think when you're young and you have to hang out with your grandma, (laughs) sometimes it kind of feels like a tour, right? Like you want to like hang out with your friends. But, you know, now that I'm older and, you know, I don't see her often because I go back pre-pandemic, I go back three times a year. Now it's been almost a year since I went back. But it's interesting because I always tell her what I'm doing and she more or less will help me and is very happy to talk about it. But she thinks that what I'm doing is kind of a pet project, a hobby. So she's like, why do you want this? Or are you sure you want this? Or, you know, she's like trying to figure out what I'm doing and I show her what I'm doing. But I think for her, it's so common, the things that I'm looking for that she doesn't understand why I'm doing it. It's really fun and it's an interesting interaction where I'm like, grandma, can we go see this? And she's like, okay. And for her, it's fun because she likes to go out and talk to people, but she also doesn't truly understand why I'm doing these things. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. She's really my Aww. starting point. And, you know, it's also an excuse for me to like drag her to things. She's 94, but very, very Aww. active still. So it's great to be able to do this with her. As long as she's willing to go with me, I would like her to show me more things. It's cute because she doesn't even know in some ways, how big of an influence she is on you, right? And the fact that this whole thing exists. This is your business. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And also, she hasn't seen my warehouse full of things. So I think for her, because she's kind of removed from the whole thing, she's only at the very front of it. 
So I think she hasn't connected the dots of like, this is a serious thing. I'm really trying here. (laughs) What's more amazing is she's still happy to help you because I'm sure from her perspective, as long as you're happy, she's happy. For sure. Yeah, I think it truly is that way. I think she's just happy that I'm there, you know. (laughs) And on a larger scale, how has your relationship with Taiwan evolved through this project? I have like a very large appreciation for Taiwan and the history, you know, and I think when I first started the project, I'm like, I know Taiwan, like I grew up there, I can talk about it. But then people will ask me questions and it throws me off. Like, I don't know. Oh my God, I don't know anything. Right? (laughs) I don't know that much anymore. So I'm trying really hard to research and kind of be slightly a little bit more knowledgeable and asking more questions when I'm in Taiwan. But people ask me history, like, oh, where was this made? And why was this made? I'm like, I don't know. I just (laughs) think it's cool. But so it's a learning experience for me. So I think each time I'm trying to learn more about Taiwan, like more specific areas, like the tea farms, like, you know, coffee is actually being emphasized and like Mm -hmm. food Mm -hmm. in different areas taste different. And, you know, every area has a like, Zusan is obviously Zu. So there's a lot of bamboo, Mm. hence they do this. And it's just like learning the history behind where all these things are from and why they're created. And I feel like I'm learning more and more every time, but there's just so much to learn. What was maybe the most interesting fact or unexpected fact you learn through this? I guess as a general idea, it's just that a lot of the objects that I'm very touched by or very attracted to are objects that were created in the area where the materials was just native to the area. Hence, the objects were made because they had the material. Mm -hmm. So Yuan Li had a lot of rush grass. So then they made a lot of rush grass material. Zhu San has a lot of bamboo. So they make a lot of bamboo objects. And then, you know, Sangyi is known for wood. There's a lot of carvers there. So just understanding that and then kind of realizing that, okay, if you know where something's from, just go there. And there's going to be like so many people that are very specific to that craft or that know someone. I like that because you're holding it, you're using it, obviously in your day to day, but it's a piece of that land. Yeah. So you're always connected to it. Yeah. And also because back then there wasn't like machines to make things. So it really was a natural development of what do you need and what do we have and let's make it. It's interesting to learn that that's how products were made naturally back in the day. You can get your own pair of theater shoes or check out what's new on the waxappleshop.com. Thank you for listening. Taiwan Jiao.